Every single player who's come to Michigan State since 2007 has a ring on their finger. I'm going to be a coach here for a long time. It's not over. It's just starting. But just remember, pride comes before the fall. So you might as well just come out and say what you're, what's your feeling at some point in time, because you know I can only be diplomatic for so long. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Thursday, September 5th, 2019. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for joining me for today's episode. On today's show, we are going to jump into Western Michigan University. Um, I do not have a Western Michigan beat reporter on today's show, but we will tomorrow. So look forward to that. We'll get some inside information on tomorrow's show. Uh, But today we're going to start off with uh, some rankings where Western uh, ranks in some advanced numbers. Uh, Nothing too complicated, just SP+, which I'll give you a quick primer on if you're unfamiliar with it. And we'll talk uh, real quick about that. Uh, Then we'll talk about Western's first game against Monmouth. We'll look at some stats from that. And I actually watched about half of that game found it somehow in my uh, my DVR, record all the college football games, and somehow that game was there. Um, so I'll tell you what I saw there, both from Western uh, on the offensive end and the defensive end, uh, and talk about some guys that they have, kind of how they compare and how they're different from Tulsa and what we might expect. And then uh, we'll do a mailbag for the third segment. I put out a call for questions. I think I got four right now, and I just... Before I started recording, sent out another tweet calling for more questions. Uh, so if I get more here before the uh, the third segment in the next 20 minutes or so, then I will get to them. So that is the plan for today's show. Reminder, rate, review, subscribe, rate, review, subscribe. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. I do this five days a week. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And of course, if you would be so kind, head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating for the show, leave a review uh, if you choose as well. And we'll have some written stuff up at Spartans Wire uh, about this Western Michigan game. I will hopefully be able to do something similar that I did earlier in the week. Uh, I'll just grab, it'll be less than I did with Michigan State's game against Tulsa, you know, gifting plays. Uh, putting up pictures just to talk about some specific things you might see as sort of a preview. So look for that uh, later in the day today. Well, it depends what time you're listening to this, but sometime in the afternoon, that should be up at Spartans Wire, so long as everything goes according to plan. All right, let's, uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's start talking about the Western Michigan University Broncos. Okay, so uh, Western... Comes into this game, I think, 0-10 career against Michigan State, which is something we uh, hope continues. Uh, They beat Monmouth, who is an FCS team, and uh, frankly, not a very good one. Um, You know, it's not like a North Dakota State or any team like that with a lot of prestige. Um, And Western handled them pretty easily. And, you know, next segment, I'll talk about some specifics of that. But after that win... uh, 
I wanted to just give you an idea of kind of how Western stacks up against, you know, a Tulsa team or, you know, kind of where they fit in uh, within the uh, the spectrum of teams. So what I'm going to use a lot this season is a ranking called SP+. It used to be called S&P+. Uh, it's by a guy named Bill Connolly who now writes for ESPN. Uh, and if you follow him on Twitter, it's at ESPN Bill C, I believe. Here, let me see it. ESPN underscore Bill C. Uh, so you can check it out there. And what it is, is it's kind of a, a simplified, it's a tempo and opponent adjusted measure of college football efficiency. There you go. That is directly from Bill. It's a predictive measure. It's not like a resume thing. It's meant to project forward how good your team is, how good your opponent is, and what the projected margin of victory would be kind of in an average game. And it's pretty accurate. It does a good job against the spread. It's like 62% or something last week, which is really good against the spread. It had Michigan State beating Tulsa by 21 or 22. So it kind of, you know, it nailed that one. And it, I think it does a really good job encompassing a lot of different things to give you two numbers, an offensive and a defensive rating, uh, that give you a really good idea of what a team is. And so Michigan State right now is 26th in SP+. Uh, they are third in defense and 115th <laughs> in offense, which last season they finished first in offense and 114th or 112th in defense. So pretty rock solid there. Uh, let's hope that offensive number can up jump up a little bit here but western michigan is all the way down at number 63 they're 41st on offense and 86th on defense they do have even for you know a g5 school a max school a pretty high powered uh passing attack and a good running back as well you know i think it's going to be tough for them to run the ball but they definitely have some guys who we'll talk about here coming up that uh, can threaten the the length of the field, can make contested catches, are fast, good receivers. Um, and so there's certainly something there uh, to, to watch out for with Western Michigan. And just to pull Tulsa in here, Tulsa has the 111th ranked offense and the 61st ranked defense. And so these numbers are not just based on one game. There's preseason numbers going into it that factor in uh, returning production, your uh your rankings last year how much of the team is brought back at which positions how good are the specific players that you you brought back there's a lot of really important stuff and and it's like i said all encompassing so tulsa is the 100th best team uh 111th on offense 61st on defense so a step up in competition not a massive one but a sizable one and you know western kind of a middle of the pack college football team they're going to do well in the mac they've got a lot of experience they're a good team um, but Michigan State should be able to uh, beat them with relative ease. The spread is 16 points. SP Plus has it as like a 12-point game. Um, so I guess the, the computer there says bet on Western Michigan, which a lot of people did. That number opened at 17.5, and, and it came down to 16 pretty quickly. So a lot of people with money uh, who like to gamble it. Uh, really like Western to keep it a little bit closer in this game, but Michigan State's really in a weird spot right now because of the offense and the talent that's there and just the lack of production. Something needs to sort of sort itself out there, and, and these numbers will get even more and more accurate as we progress through the season. Again, we're one game in. There's a bunch of preseason projections factored in, so we've got to take that uh, into consideration. So the I guess main thing I want you to take from this is that Western – uh, is a, a dangerous-ish team. They could end up with uh, eight, 
nine wins at the end of the season. They should be uh, in contention in the MAC, which is a really balanced division and is kind of not the greatest. Uh, but there's some teams at the top, right? Western, Toledo, Northern Illinois, that usually can play pretty competitive football against solid teams and can challenge Big Ten teams. And with it being Western Michigan, you know, kids from Michigan, their quarterback is from Grand Rapids. Uh, they've got players from Michigan all over the team. You know, it's a lot of kids who maybe wanted to play at Michigan State and didn't get the chance to, weren't recruited, and that gives them a little bit something extra to play for. But like we talked about uh, yesterday, I think Michigan State's going to be plenty motivated for this one as well. So, you know, that Vegas spread seems about right. Uh, it should be, you know, if it plays out normally, which it never does, a somewhat comfortable win for Michigan State, I imagine, and I don't imagine, I know for a fact, the defense is going to be challenged more, the secondary is going to be challenged more in this game, um, but perhaps there are more opportunities for Michigan State's offense. Uh, the Tulsa defense is better than the Western Michigan defense by these numbers, and just by watching uh, the game a little bit, there are some guys on, on Western's defense that are pretty good looking players. They're pretty solid. They got some, some decent guys, uh, but they don't have, you know, anyone who is good. Like just as an example, uh, like Jackson player, the nose guard for Tulsa, number 90, like there's nobody on Western's defense who is explode as explosive as that guy was in their front. Like he was just a really good player. And even the guys in the secondary, uh, I thought Tulsa's secondary players were pretty good, really experienced. And Western has some experience back there too. But um, I think Tulsa brings in a more talented team than Western. And Western doesn't have that weird 3-3-5 scheme. They're running a 4-3 most of the time. They like to run 4-2 uh, packages when you're like nickel packages when you're uh, in a spread formation. And they do some different things, which we'll talk about here. Uh, actually, after this quick commercial break, that's a good way to transition. Uh, after this break, I'll talk about specific guys on the team, what they do well, what they don't do well, what Western likes to try to do, and just kind of what I saw as I was going through this uh, Monmouth tape. Real quick, though, I need to tell you about a few things. No House Advantage is taking an exciting new spin on daily fantasy sports. Instead of salary cap drafting, No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests. Download No House Advantage now from the App Store and use the code LOCKDOWN to receive two free tokens when you purchase two. That is a $10 value. That's code LOCKDOWN to receive two free tokens when you purchase two. Today's show is also brought to you by... Vivid Seats, one of our favorites, Vivid Seats. We love Vivid Seats. As much as we love going to watch our Spartans play at Spartan Stadium, we love Vivid Seats just as much. And if you want to get to the game this weekend, you need to check out Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price, look for seats in the specific section or row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. It is called Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, and you will be automatically enrolled into the Vivid Seats Rewards program. And of course, with Vivid Seats, every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest game to the hottest theater ticket and more. Whatever you get there, backed 100% buyer guarantee. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app. 
Join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today, and you can enter promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That is promo code KICKOFF100 to receive a discount of up to $100. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime, and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Okay, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked on Spartans. Let's talk about this Western Monmouth game. So Western kind of tore up Monmouth 48-13. to it was like 21 uh, nothing 10 minutes into the game, uh, and everything Monmouth had as a plan going in, it went out the window. Um, so the first thing that I noticed is, you know, structurally, Western's different from Tulsa. They're going to run a 4-3, like I mentioned. They run 4-2 with a nickel package, uh, a nickel back in, if you are in spread formations. And one thing that they do a ton, a ton, is they blitz. They love to blitz and, you know, they don't really do a ton of disguising. I'm sure they'll add some different things and and give some different looks to Michigan State, but they kind of bring a linebacker, a safety, a corner. They blitz from all over the place. They'll bring someone up to the line and if they're showing, they're coming. Uh, That's just kind of what I saw from that. Again, you would think they would bring in different looks, um, but it's a very aggressive defense and that's something that, you know, Results in big plays. They had a lot of sacks, a lot of tackles for loss, even going back into last season, but also can hurt you with big plays against and, you know, getting caught in the wrong spot. Monmouth had a play where they threw a screen pass to a receiver, a little bubble screen directly into a corner blitz, and it worked perfectly, and they got like 13 or 17 yards off it. And so there is that opportunity, but it is an aggressive defense. They're sort of on their toes coming forward a lot. So, could be a good chance for Michigan State to try to get aggressive, take some shots, try to loosen them up, make them more apprehensive to blitz. And I think Brian Lewerke does a good job uh, reading blitz, finding blitzes, and hitting the hot route. I think he's uh, a quick processor in that regard. And so, you know, I don't think it'll be a major issue. The The big issue could be with protection if it's called against, you know, a deep route and Lewerke doesn't see it. Someone misses a block, a blitz gets through. You know, that is always a risk. Big plays behind the line of scrimmage when you face an attacking defense like that. But there will be, you know, an equal opportunity for uh, Michigan State to push the the gas pedal a little bit and take advantage of their aggressiveness. So I think it's good that they're in a 4-3. 3-3-5 is weird. It's weird to block. It's weird to throw against when you get eight-man zones a lot. Passing lanes close up. It becomes difficult to... um, you know, have guys sit in the middle of the zone. Their routes have to be adjusted slightly. It's really hard to go over the top so they can kind of cram in and know that if it's a pass, they can bail deep. The safeties can, and if it's a run, they can come downhill at you. Uh, the front, just having a three-man front like that, and then they move up linebackers to make it look like a five-man front, or they could do a four, and it's just kind of, there's a lot of weird looks that they can throw you, and it's not a common defense that you see. Um, so it's good. I think that Western brings to the table something that's more common. And really, uh, if the game was closer, Monmouth would have really had themselves uh, a day on the ground. Um, as it is here, let me pull this up real quick. There it is. I got like 70 tabs open. Um, Guerrero, who is Monmouth's running back, who was, you know, a decent player, but again, is an FCS running back. Pete Guerrero, 23 carries 107 yards for a touchdown, 4.7 per carry. Um, you know, when they ran power Monmouth, uh, they had some success. They were running some traps that were, you know, they're able to sort of cave in the Western Michigan, uh, defensive 
interior and, and push them in. And then the kickout block from the guard coming was able to get through. And there were definitely holes. And I think if it wasn't 21 to nothing uh, there at the end of the first quarter, Monmouth would have had even more rushing yards. Um, you know, the quarterback sacks that they gave up hurt their, their yards per carry average, but their lead runner going for 4.7 a carry when a game where they were totally outmatched. Um, you know, Western's a solid D1 team. Monmouth is a middling FCS team. They're totally overmatched. And for them to be able to have some efficiency there, I think shows a little bit of a promise. You know, Michigan State is playing a front seven that's not as good in theory based on what I saw and statistically as the one they just played. So maybe um, play calling is a little bit better. Maybe they try some different things in the running game and maybe just maybe the offensive line can do a better job against Western's front. Because like I said, there's just not that weirdness to it with a three, three, five and the, the quality of players. Uh, it's just not uh, as good. And, but there's some solid guys. Um, Holly number eight uh, is a really kind of an explosive interior guy, similar to what you saw from number 90 on Tulsa, not quite as good, not quite as big as him. Like he still has a twitchy first step though, and was able to sort of knife through, get skinny through the hole and disrupt some plays behind the line of scrimmage. So he's someone that can make some plays. Uh, you got, what is it? 55 and 58 here. Let me just get to my things. I got the Western Michigan, um, lineup here. So Brandon Fisk, Braden Fisk is another one. He's 6'3", 290 defensive tackle, who is like a uh, bull rushy type player. He's a Michigan player. Or no, he's not. He's from Indiana, Michigan City, Indiana. Um, But he's another solid player. What Western did, because they're facing tempo and spread, and I think they're going to see something similar with Michigan State, is they like to rotate in multiple units of defensive tackles. So that's something to watch out for. Uh, And it was each series, series by series, they would swap out the D tackles. Uh, Antonio Balabani, which is a great name, is a D-end, um, kind of an edge setter. He had a nice sack on a bull rush. Um, he will be coming at the left tackle, whoever ends up playing there. He's from Dakota, so another Michigan kid who probably wanted to play Big Ten football and might be extra motivated for this game, but he's a solid player. You know, there's solid players on the defense. Um, they actually had their leading tackler, and the game was one of their leading receivers uh, from last season. So it's uh, an interesting group that they're bringing to uh, Spartan Stadium on that side of the ball. Uh, On offense, Western is going to run spread. They're in 11 or more spread most of the time. They're running Temple. They're out of the pistol. They're out of the shotgun. Uh, They run a mix of zone and power on the run game. It's mostly power from what I saw. A little bit of zone stuff. The quarterback doesn't keep much. Um, He is, I think he might be a sixth year senior. He might be a fifth year too as well. Um, but he's gotten hurt, season-ending injuries the last two seasons. Um, Wasnick is his name. He threw for five touchdowns. He's a good player. He throws a deep ball a lot. Western really likes to push the ball deep. Uh, you know they're going to do that against uh, Michigan State's corners, who are one-on-one. Uh, I imagine they might go after Josh Butler early after seeing him give up those two passes uh, to Tulsa at that one scoring drive for Tulsa. And so, you know, Western's going to be trying to push the ball. They're going to use tempo. Um, they have Bellamy in the backfield, who's a really fast player, but had no running room, strangely, against Monmouth. He went for like, yeah, here it is. He went for 2.9 a carry. Levante Bellamy, 18 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown. Like, all their damage was done through the air. And, you know, either way you shake it, I think it's obviously an advantageous matchup for Michigan State, but Western's going to do some stuff. And I think they're going to be able to put a couple touchdown drives together, whereas, you know, 
Tulsa got one. Western might be able to get three. They'll hit a big play in the passing game. They've got good receivers. Deshaun Bustle is a true freshman there. Uh, five catches for 116 yards. He's a downfield guy and can sort of make people miss. He's like 6'2", 195. Looks like he has good speed. He looks like he's a really good player. Giovanni Ricci is their tight end, who is like honorable mention or second team all-conference last year. Had two touchdowns against Monmouth. He's like big. He's a big, strong dude. He His first touchdown grab was really nice. He ran like a, a post-corner route and really used his body to just out-muscle and leverage the safety and get position and made a really nice grab and dragged his foot on the sideline. So he's a good player too. Jalen Hall made an incredible one-handed catch in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. He's another guy who can get downfield. Um, they've got some good players. Uh, Western always seems to bring good skill talent to whatever game they're in. And they've got that this year. They've got at least three, maybe four uh, interesting uh, pass catchers. You know, like I said, Levante Bellamy is a good back. He got stuffed a little bit. And Wasnick, or Wasink, Wasnick, Wasink, Joe, John Wasink uh, is a good thrower. He's not, I don't know, doesn't have the strongest arm, isn't the most accurate guy, but he does a good job. He throws the ball really well downfield. Um, he hits some guys perfectly in stride that had, you know, a couple steps on the defender and was able to put together some really long, uh, explosive pass plays. So that's something that I think Western is going to try to do to make Michigan state soften up in the box a little bit, because we know Michigan state's going to come out, try to stuff that run. They'll probably be successful with it. And Western's going to take some shots early to try to loosen that up for sure. Dwayne Eskridge is his name, the defensive back. Uh, who led the team in tackles um, and is playing cornerback for them. Uh, and he can also, I, I guess, flip back to receiver. Receiver's a, a spot of depth, and you think it wouldn't be with um, uh, Jaden Reed transfer. They had another transfer, and then they added a grad transfer from Wake Forest, who before he even played for Western, went back into the transfer portal. So they've had some attrition there. They lost some guys to the transfer portal uh, who are stepping up in competition, but they've still got playmakers there. It's like It's a good thing. They lost those guys because they would be able to trot out four or five receivers who are really good players uh, had those guys not transferred. And then there's uh, Keith Mixon Jr. Just want to give him a mention. He's really fast. He's a return man and is dangerous. Michigan State, you know, I don't think um, I, I'm not worried. I guess I'll say it this way. I'm not worried about coverage units or anything. I thought they looked good against Tulsa. But Mixon is a guy who uh, returned a kick for 65 yards, didn't score against Monmouth, but did break one and had a punt return for 21 yards as well. So uh, can do some dangerous things there in the return game. All right, we'll take a break right there. That's sort of just like a primer for you on Western. Some guys to look out for what they're trying to do and how um, it sort of compares to what Michigan State played last week. We'll have plenty more tomorrow uh, about specifics, matchups, how you know, things might play out. What are the key matchups, key things to watch? So we'll do that on tomorrow's show. After this quick break, we'll come back and we will answer some mailbag questions. But first, a word from No House Advantage. No House Advantage is taking an exciting new spin on daily fantasy sports. Instead of salary cap drafting, No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests. This platform levels the playing field so you have a higher likelihood of winning than when playing an other traditional fantasy sports site. Each contest contains anywhere from 5 to 10 player props. For example, will Tua Tagovailoa 
throw more than two touchdowns. You simply select over under for each prop and rank each pick based on your confidence of being correct. You'll earn points based on correct picks and compete against other players for cash prizes. It is an extremely fun daily fantasy contest to play and you can actually win. No House Advantage offers contests across college football, NFL, MLB, NBA, college basketball, PGA, and NASCAR. Download No House Advantage now from the App Store and use code LOCKEDON to receive two free tokens when you purchase two tokens. That's a $10 value. That's code LOCKEDON to receive two free tokens when you purchase two. Certain state limitations may affect your ability to participate in paid contests. And I also want to tell you more about my bookie. Guys, if you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course, you're going to pick it up. You're going to take the money. So why do you just keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you are betting on. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? Like if by the second half, you want to switch things up, switch your bet, not your original bet, but add another bet hedge a little bit or try to, you know, double down on your bet, you can do that after the ha- after kickoff. You can bet in game with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and try to win a lot, you could play a parlay. You know, you pick four winners. If they all come through, you multiply your winnings a huge amount. It's a great way to turn five bucks into a lot more. It depends on how much you want to uh, stretch those odds. And no matter how you bet, the NFL and college football season is the best time of the year to do it. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code locked on to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, welcome back to Locked On Spartans. I'm going to do a quick little mailbag here. Um, I actually, sent, I, since I posted that, got a bunch of different questions. Not going to get them all on here. I'll try to. We'll see. Um, if I miss any, I'm going to write this up. Uh, longer answers, more thorough answers, and post it to um, SpartansWire, so spartanswire.usatoday.com for the full mailbag, but we'll definitely get into a few here. Uh, First one is from Finlander18. Could we see Devontae Dobbs play this weekend? I've actually gotten this question in a number of different settings, and I think it's one of the more popular ones this week, and it reminds me, it reminds many people of the Damian Terry situation. Um, If you recall, Michigan State was having a really tough time finding a quarterback. They had a highly touted recruit who was a true freshman on the roster, and there was clamoring uh, for that. And, you know, people want hope, right? Dobbs, just like Terry, represented a little bit of an unknown, a wild card. Could this be something we need? Could it be exactly what we need? And with the uh, offensive line struggling the way it did, and with Dobbs being a top 40 recruit, um, I totally get it. I, I get the, the the level of excitement about him and the need and the want for him to be in the game. But I would just say a couple things. Um, it's really hard for true freshmen to transition on the offensive line. Like it takes time. They got to get bigger. They got to learn how to play the position uh, at a totally different level. And B, if Dobbs was ready, I think, especially with the four game red shirt rule, he would be part of the rotation and he might be this week. You know, as far as could we see him play this weekend? Yeah, I think there's a chance. Um, Michigan State likes to be tight-lipped about this situation, but given how things went the first week, D'Antonio's sort of message to the team, I would guess the majority of what we're going to see is the same group back out there trying to do better. 
Maybe some guys have earned more snaps, some guys less. Um, and if it's not going well again, maybe they give Dobbs a shot and say, hey, show us if you can be better than this. Um, because what we've got right now just isn't working. I think eventually this season, Dobbs will see time. I think he'll see time in four games, unless it's like he plays this game and he's a road grader. And it's like, yeah, he's got to play every game this year. Uh, I don't really foresee that happening. Maybe he plays this week. Um, maybe we see him for a handful of snaps at some point down the line. So maybe on Dobbs, but I would just say that I think as soon as he's ready to play Division One football for this team, he will be. The The staff is very aware of their issues on the offensive line, are aware of his talent, and they're going to get him in there as soon as he's ready. All right, next question here. As my internet decides to stop working in there, it goes, all right, the next one is from Jport on Twitter. How many offensive touchdowns will it take for you to walk away on Saturday feeling confident the offense can and will improve? Um, uh, I, I guess like two with a couple, you know, just like a few nice drives, right? Four nice drives, five nice drives. Maybe they get two touchdowns and two field goals out of it. Maybe they get three field goals. What is that points? 23, the defense gets, I don't know. They're going to need more than 23. I guess three, now that I'm kind of doing the math here. Um, and it also depends on if they get short fields, if they get a return, uh, some other touchdown we're not sort of expecting. I kind of just want to see them be more efficient on the ground, be more committed to the new stuff. Um, and, you know, like they strung together two nice drives against Tulsa. I, th- I would think like three or four, probably four nice drives against uh, a team like Western would inspire some confidence and make me feel better about what I've been saying all week is that I think this offense has room to prove, uh, has a good foundation of what they're trying to do, and they just need to do it, do it more creatively and be less conservative about it. So, you know, three touchdowns would be nice. Uh, anything beyond that, and I think we're kind of at the gravy point, um, but I just kind of want to see four or five nice drives, long drives that lead to points. So it's three touchdowns, two field goals. Um, that'd be 27. That would be pretty solid and kind of showing a nice little level of growth there. All right. I got like 19 questions from the upper deck jerk guy. Um, some of them are a bit silly, but a couple of them are good. Uh, which running back will get the most carries against Western? I actually think it's going to be Eli Collins. I think he'll get a couple more than Connor Hayward, uh, and then we'll see from there. Maybe Ladarius Jefferson gets himself a few. I think it's still going to be a rotation, but I think they're going to give Eli Collins his shot to try to take this job, um, and I think he's got a chance uh, to do it. All right, next question here is from uh, Madison Rose. Does MSU complete a pass for over 20 yards? Yes, I think they do. Um, whether it's 20 yards in the air or 20 yards, including the uh, run after the catch, maybe. I don't know. I hope they challenge down the field more. They really need to. We've talked about it. Um, I think they will. I think they'll hit a deep shot in this game. Um, and she asks, how much glue do we need to put on Dotson's glove before he can catch the ball? That's not nice. He can catch the ball. He just needs to run a yard beyond the line of or the line to gain, the first down marker, and catch it there instead of catching it a yard short. That was the big issue. I think he had a drop, but he had a, uh, a couple catches where he got stopped uh, short there. Needs to finish out the route there. Um, one more question here, and then if you didn't, if you sent in a question, I didn't get to it. It'll be in the mailbag print version tomorrow. So look out for that. It's about Luke Campbell. Uh, 
Honorable all big, uh, honorable mention all Big Ten right tackle in 2017 when he was a redshirt freshman, um, but now he's not playing tackle. Why? Why is he not playing tackle? Um, and right tackle seemed to be kind of an issue uh, against Tulsa. Um, I'm not totally sure. I think it's a totally fair question. Um, I think going into the Tulsa game, Michigan State felt confident in Jordan Reed, whether it was his durability last season and then maybe he had shown steps of improvement throughout the year. Like him and Jarvis were the only ones who didn't uh, lose time. Like they stuck with right tackle and left tackle the entire game. And so I thought that was interesting. So that obviously... I think shows that there's um, more confidence in a guy like Reed. And I think Luke Campbell can be, I think he's more of a guard. I think Luke Campbell is a guard. I think they have like nine guards on this offensive line and no tackles. That's kind of the issue. Um, But I think Luke Campbell, it can be a really good guard. And yeah, maybe they'll give him a run at right tackle because he's done it before and did it to a decent level his first year. Remember he got hurt last season and who knows kind of how that impacted things. But um, I think they really like him at guard. I think he looked good at guard. He does a good job run blocking, and I think he was solid. And certainly the interior was solid in pass protection. So at the end of the day, you know, four or five games down the line, when Michigan State is set on a starting offensive line, I think it's very possible Luke Campbell is the starting guard, starting whatever. I, we'll see how it shakes out. But one of the starting guards uh, on that line might be the best version of Michigan State's line. So I think that's kind of why they're doing it. And. We'll see after the, the game Reed had. It was certainly up and down against Tulsa if someone else gets a shot at right tackle. So I think uh, there's a, with everything on that offense, there's a lot still to be determined, and I think we'll get more answers here uh, for the Western Michigan game for sure. All right, let's uh, end the show. Not going to take a break because it's the end of the show. That's, that's it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. We will be joined by Nick Buckley. Nick covers uh, Western Michigan football for the BC Inquirer, is also part of the USA Today family. So look forward to talking to Nick. We'll get some insights there. And then I will talk about specific matchups, what I think Michigan State needs to show in terms of plays, um, how they can be successful against Western and, you know, sort of some keys to the game and how I see this thing playing out. So we will do that tomorrow. I hope you join us and we will see you then.